0: everybody welcome to the unbalanced note scorecard i'm brian kluger and we have a very special show today we have a guest a legendary intercontinental champion of music for the films the tv and video games most recently call of duty black ops i've been playing non-stop jack wall welcome to the show Good to
1: be here, Brian. Thanks for that incredible intro. Let's get it on.
0: Let's get it on, WWE style. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about all these video games, this music, composing. But first, we have to start at the very beginning. Jack, where did it all begin for you in music? Was it something you heard on a radio uh, program? Was it a record you bought? Where did it all begin for you?
1: I was three years old. My parents gave me like a little one of those, you, you're too young for this, but a little uh, like record player that was shaped like a suitcase. So you could you, you know, you could close it up and you carry it around by a handle and then I could plop it wherever I wanted, plug it in and play my Beatles records. So uh, yeah, I loved the Beatles when I was three years old.
0: Then that's a great band and great, I mean, yeah. Holy shit. You started at the top. Really? Where yeah, does yeah, it go the from of, there? None of the
1: rest matters. Like <laughs> that was, that was amazing. <laughs> I was, it was, uh,
0: what album? it,
1: was a, well, it wasn't an album. It was a, it was just a, a little 45 that I just wore out. The B side was uh, day tripper and the A side was whatever that was. God, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, so, it was a great tune.
0: Sorry. So that must have been on Capitol Records, not on the Apple logo. That's right, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And I definitely know about the uh, the briefcase record player. One of my rec- my turntables is a briefcase that I could take two places. <laughs> there you go. I mean
1: it was it was it was a young idea in my time and it it, it just took off from there.
0: So so what about that song that, that 45 did it for you? What blew uh... your mind?
1: I just love the guitar. love the singing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, We Can Work It Out was the A-side. I don't know why that was my one, but Rubber Soul album. Anyway, I don't know. It just was uh, something I liked when I was a kid and you know, my love of music was always there. I was always in band, you know, starting at fourth grade or whatever, played the trumpet.
0: Was that your first Um, instrument?
1: Trumpet. well, Well, let's see. In fourth grade, how old was I? Yeah, it's about. I, I played uh, guitar and trumpet like roughly around the same time. I was about twelve years old. Um, but you know, I just was a music aficionado up until you know twelve. I just loved listening. So um, you know, and you know, you go past that, you get into high school. I was in bands, college and bands. I went to I went to school to be a civil engineer. So because my mom said, no, you, you're not going to music school. You know, you're not going to make any money doing that. So, you know, I want you to have a fallback. If you want to go into music after you have a degree in something real, then you can do that. I was like, okay, I love math, so I'll be an engineer. And I became an engineer in civil engineering. I was designing like, you know, uh, (laughs) like shopping malls and stuff like that and hated it. So uh, then I went back to music
0: and so what elements from the civil engineering realm do you use in composing and music because i'm sure there's like a lot of building there too and
1: uh i would say the way that i analyze a piece of music you know and and i would tell you that i wasted my life before that uh before like maybe 12 years after i left civil engineering i realized oh you know there was some benefit to that like the whole time thinking you know because like any student, you know, you go to college and you put yourself through school and you have all these loans when you graduate, you know, and you get to the end and you're like, why did I waste all this money? Now I have to pay all this money. But, um, you know, it, it took me a little while to pay my debts off, you know, my student student loans off. But once I did, I, I started to look back on it and say, you know, it, it actually was positive. I, I use, you know, I I, I like to say you go to college to for nothing else to learn how to learn. So it was like you know when when it came time for me that I wanted to learn how to how to be a a real composer, how to how to you know do counterpoint and harmony and composition and all that stuff. I could learn pretty fast you know because I already had you know gone through four semesters of calculus and physics and chemistry. So you know uh, just learning that stuff just came naturally after that. So yeah, I I would say I build my music like kind of left meets right brain kind of thing.
0: That's, I guess you have to do that when you're uh, taking on a whole team of different building blocks of instruments to create one big piece, right?
1: There is that, but there's also um, the less, the more practical side of producing music, which is, you know, you have to put a team together. You have to manage that team Um, you know, my assistant, my score supervisors, my copyists, orchestrators, all all that stuff, and you know, just keep everybody happy and productive and that kind of stuff. So, that's always fun. That's the fun part for me, you know, another fun part besides writing.
0: Now, when you were growing up and in your teen years, did you stay in like the marching band or the orchestra band at school, or did you try to form or did form? like rock bands or electronica bands or anything like that?
1: You know, it's so funny that you mentioned marching band in high school. Like I did, I think all my friends were a grade ahead of me. Like I liked all those people way more than I liked people in my own grade. Yeah. And, and and I'm not saying I didn't like people in my own grade. I'm just saying, I, I just had really good friends that were older than me. So I just hung out with them. And, um, when they graduated and I was going into 12th grade, I just quit band. I was like, there's no point in me. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, at that point, I was like, instead of that, I'll do I'm going to play. I just want to play in bands, and form a band and play. You know, just play my guitar instead of of my trumpet. So, yeah, I was in and I was never interested in film music or the equivalent, which is, you know, video game music today. Like I that wasn't interest you know even a a possibility when I was in high school that was just not even there that that came way later so um that's kind of bizarre that I ended up doing that in a way
0: no that's amazing um and I mean as somebody who was in marching band for many years clarinet and tenor saxophone there you go I I get it I get it uh and (laughs) So what is, what makes that spark? What makes that truly romantic relationship between the visual realm and composing music for it? Uh, Can you rephrase that question? Um, What, what is, so you, you're in this, uh, this realm of creating music for, video for film, TV, and video games. Right. What do you think is that key ingredient that makes the two work so perfectly in, uh, in relation to your great work?
1: Oh, you know, I, I always say like, you know, I'm a storyteller, musical storyteller. So I just follow what I see on the screen. So, and, and that's how I approach all my writing, whether it's film, TV, or a video game. So if I'm gonna write a video game, I'm not gonna just write some music and you put it in the game somehow. Like I want somebody to do a video capture of a whole playthrough of a level. Once I get that, I can understand the golden path of what that level is supposed to be and what's gonna happen story-wise and the important moments, the peaks, the valleys. And I score it like like, like I'm scoring a film. And then we pick it apart and figure out how to implement it later. Because you know, uh, obviously it's interactive, so you have to do that. You know, so a piece of music is you know, technically it's going to loop, or it's going to branch off into another piece, or whatever. And all those little transitions and interstitials have to have to have to work. But I, I'm, you know, I I'm constantly just looking at it. Like I want this when it's implemented, no matter what you do in the game. It sounds like, you know, I scored a custom score for that. However you're playing it, that's that's the goal. It's really hard to achieve because. I, Quite often, I'm not the one implementing the score, but uh, I do give directions on how to implement it. And, you know, unless I sit down at the very end and spend several weeks with them, which I almost never have the time to do, uh, and and explain, no, 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 can can you make it, can you move that piece so that it lands on this beat when he hits the pavement here? (laughs) You know, that's the kind of level of detail I want to have, you know, control I want to have over this. But it's not always that, not always that but uh yeah it, i just look at i look at everything i write for no matter what medium as the same and it's just different ways of getting there you know it's all it's all underscored and it's all dramatically scored and custom scored as much as possible
0: that's great and i like your influences your styles from the different projects you take on such as the asian influence in jade empire and then when you get into The call of duty games uh there's a mix of kind of like the rock with the heavy guitars mixed with kind of like this 80s goblin-esque synth pop that i really love and i'm curious when you're doing these do you do a lot of research for this or do you just like okay this sounds good here this instrument should be here i'm because i'm a i'm an avid video gamer so i love listening to them on the headset and it's just perfect
1: that's awesome yeah, you know, I, I definitely spend like, uh, I'm gonna say at least, at least a month in the very beginning, uh, digging into every aspect of the story, the, the artwork, what, you know, what is, you know, who the main characters are, what their motivations are, what, you know, what is the goal of this game? Are there multiple endings? If there are multiple endings, are they, you know, what are they and how do they work? Um, because I want to know I want to be able to telegraph I I always want there to be a beginning a middle and end to the score and sort of a 30,000 foot level view of that whole thing where I'm going to introduce at the very top the themes that you're going to hear throughout the game throughout the game you're going to hear them in different ways and at the end you're going to get a big ass honking epic kind of you know version of that main theme or whatever it is. so that's what I endeavor to do and it you can't do that without really spending time trying to understand the structure of what the people you're working with are trying to make and uh so I, I really do try to dig in as much as i can i read all the scripts i read you know any materials and you just give me everything you got you know i just spend days just looking at that stuff and then i'll before i even write a note i'll you know we come up with all the technical you know te- technical specifications what's the file naming convention because something especially in video games like you don't have that as much i mean file naming conventions are pretty simple in in film and television it's like what reel are you on and what order is the piece of music and that's it's 1m1 1m2 1m3 2m1 2m2 but when you get into video games it's different because you have different levels so i i have uh you know this nerdy video you know file naming convention i come up with and And that's how we work. And once, but once you have that, then nobody gets confused later on and is naming things differently. And, you know, it's pretty easy to find out what, you know, if I replace a file later, because a lot of times I'll, you know, you put things in the game itself that aren't finished, right? They're, they're just mock-ups. And then later on, after you record and produce that and deliver final files, they have to be the exact same file name but with an appended, you know, underscore live or whatever it is. So we know what to replace and what is what is the right version. So it all that stuff is really important up front. So I do a mixture of creative and technical right up top. And then once all that's established, then it's just a mere matter of composing the school.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the just the, the small little easy task, right? Yes, and I
1: and I stole that quote from John Wayne. So it's,
0: you, know, you did, have you, have you ever worked with John?
1: No, 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 no. I just went to see a concert of his at the Hollywood bowl and he was explaining how he wrote, you know, he, he was, he was sort of explaining to the audience, okay we're, I'm going to show you a scene from Harry Potter and, and this is what, you know, we, this is how we do it. And, you know, it's pretty much the same way we all do it. It's, you, you, you're putting markers where the main moments have to happen. and. So you're sort of laying out the piece in, the, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way where you put markers down, you'll say, okay, this is where the car turns right and goes underneath the bridge. And then this is the one where, you know, you almost fall out of the car. And then this is, this is where this moment happens where you're really shocked because, you know, you almost died. And then, the, you know, and then it's just a mere matter of writing the score. You know?
0: Amazing, amazing. Composition, right? Yeah. And so with working on something like Call of Duty it's almost like an opera of sorts of this grand on this grand scale of music and storytelling um but you also worked on a rock opera is that correct called psyche
1: psyche yeah psyche, uh, that, psyche. Was, that was Cindy Shapiro's rock opera that she wrote i had nothing to do with writing that but I was in, I was the music director for her, and you know, full disclosure, she's my wife. So, we have a very creative uh, household, and we're constantly uh, writing different things. I'm on my projects, she does her projects, and sometimes the, the twain meet. You know, I sometimes help produce her music. So
0: that's my, cool. My that's...
1: Back, my background before I was even a composer was I was a music producer. So I just have a lot of uh, experience doing all that stuff. So,
0: so you're kind of a jack of all trades in that music business. <laughs>
1: Wow, I can't believe you said that. Jack of all trades. I am Jack Wall of all trades. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I love all aspects of creating music. And I especially love collaboration. So, you know, she asked me to help her with something like that. I'm like, yes, I would do that. That sounds fun.
0: Excellent. And then just um, going off of some of these uh, tracks from Call of Duty, uh, the Rising Tide uh with all that amazing percussion that angelic voices in the background and then the hardcore guitar comes in like my mind i wish worked like that it's like oh my god add this and add this in and it's gonna just sound great where did your mind go like how did this come to be because it's this this track slaps like it's amazing <laughs> thank
1: you i love that track um well, that's a collaboration with Jimmy Henson, who is uh, a longtime collaborator of mine and we've worked on Mass Effect together. And, and uh, this is our third track for multiplayer that we've done together. Adrenaline was the first for Black Ops 2, then Black Ops 4 was Inferno and then we did this one for Cold War. So um, yeah, I just went back to him and I said, hey, I, I, got, a, I got another theme I want to do with you. You, you up for it? And he's like, hell yeah. So, um, I said, we're going to do synth wave, you know, cause we're in the eighties, right? We're in the early eighties. I was like, yeah. let's do a synth wave track. That's reminiscent of that time, but let's modernize it. So, um, he came back with a basic track layout and I was like, you know, and the way that we collaborate is very fluid. So I would just listen to it. And I'm like, okay, you see what you got going on back here? Like that, that we have to make more out of this. And so let's bring that to the front. And, you know, I started arranging and start messing with it and then adding some of my own stuff. I had the piano and the, the stuff and then, you know, sent it back to him. And I was like, you know, we need a little bit more this here, can you maybe think of something? And he goes, i oh, let's give it a shot. And he sends me back more stuff. And then I take it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a vocal on this thing and this, this break, because I think it'd be cool. I always like to, for some reason, I always want to put like female vocals on Black Ops because it's so masculine that I like, I just want to kind of like make it kind of beautiful at the same time and not just always energy. So um, it was the the breakdown seemed like a perfect time to do that. And, and that's my daughter too, you know, Gracie Wall. She's she's an amazing singer and she did those vocals for us.
0: Oh, wow. Well, you really are the family that is in it. That's great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, got a little Von Trapp situation.
0: Von Trapp yeah. partridge style. I like it. <laughs> there you go. Partridge. I love it. Um yeah. and then the even your 70s, tra- baby. The 70s, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and even the track 1981 um has that uh, those ingredients of John Carpenter and Goblin mixed in. Oh, wow. And I I loved it. I loved it.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the first two tracks I wrote, the first track I wrote was 1981. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, remember I was talking about that month of just digging into all the, you know, whatever the story is and all that. Right. Then the next step for me is to write a couple of themes based on what we come up with as an idea for the whole score. So 1981 was the first track I wrote. And that was without really seeing the any gameplay yet. And um, So I wrote that track and then I wrote Bell's Theme next. And I just, but the whole idea for those two tracks was you know, for 1981 was I'm just gonna write a cool theme using some synthesizers with, you know, but modernizing that some, some you know, choir and orchestra and see what happens. So came up with that one. And then once Bell's character, the, the character you play in the game, once I really understood him and what his character was doing in the game and what he meant to the game, then I wrote that theme there's a lot of spoilers in that theme, uh, but it's all in Russian, and it's not super. It's mixed, so it's not completely clear. Which, like most choir, you can't understand the lyrics. But when I um, when I publish the lyrics, you'll in this when after they release season two, we'll publish the lyrics all the Russian people have been bugging me. What What are you saying in Russian? I can't, I can't quite hear it. And I really <laughs> want to know, cause I know there's spoilers and I want to know. And I just love, I love that so much. I love that. They're all like losing their minds, trying to figure out what it is.
0: So that's, that's great. That's great. Um, and b- by the way, do you actually play any of these video games?
1: I play this one.
0: You play, this I play one? all
1: the ones. Yeah. I love playing the games that are right. Cause you know, I learned so much from it and, and then, you know, I can talk to the team about like, you know, hey, next time let's try implementing it this way instead of that way and try to improve it. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of time to play all kinds of games. So, I'm <laughs> cause I, I'm pretty busy, but, um, uh, you know, I do definitely play other games I, I work on.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you've also done uh, some TV and some film. Can you talk a little bit about what, might be an easier realm or an easier arena as opposed to making music for video games and film or TV. Cause that you might be able to fully immerse yourself into one more than the other, right?
1: No, you know, they're all, this, you do the same thing for all of them. You just do it differently. Like for example, uh, a lot of it has to schedule, right? Like, so we started working, I started writing in February of this year and we ended you know, we st- we recorded the last bits of it September second, and there's two and a half hours of music. So that's you know, in terms of time, that's a lot of time. But it it felt like I had pl- you know, I felt like I had plenty of time. But I was really busy every day, right? So it was a good schedule for me, especially during COVID lockdown. It's like, yeah. oh, I have something to do, you know. So it it was it was great in that way. Um, TV is a whole different animal because, you know, somebody will deliver to you a show on Monday, right? And then say, okay, at three o'clock today, we're going to spot this, this show. You spend two hours going through all the temp music that's in the television series in in the, in the episode. Uh, So by 5 PM, you know, um, on Monday, you've, you've got your you know your notes that your assistant is then putting into a a cue sheet and then by saturday or sunday you've delivered 35 minutes of finished music for that show
0: (laughs) oh man because in the in the industry
1: or or friday you know right friday and then you'll get notes over the weekend and have to be done for the next episode that begins monday yeah so uh, it's, it's like a, a steamroller that's coming at you really slowly, but it's like, not slowly, but you, you know, you can keep, stay ahead of it. But if you get tripped up, it's going to just run you over, you know, <laughs> and they're just going to have to call somebody else. You can handle the pressure. So you just have to, you know, you have to, I learned how to write really fast and efficiently uh, doing television. I love television. Love it because it, you know, first of all, you know, I don't think anybody, in no matter if you play, love video games or not, we're living in a TV renaissance. It's like so many great shows and just so little time to watch them. But um, yeah, I, I love, and talk about storytelling. You get to establish themes and stuff and they, you bring them back at the right moment in episode nine or whatever, it's just amazing. So uh, that's really just satisfying for me as a composer. Film, on the other hand, is wonderful in that you've got this really contained two-hour experience that you come up with themes and all this all these kinds of things and, and you you get to create this sort of longer format television show and you have maybe a little more time. You have like five six weeks to finish. Um so uh but that's a lot to do in five or six weeks especially if you're recording an orchestra and all that stuff for it. So um but yeah, we, we, we record and do everything the same way for everything. It's just the time format is really, <laughs> really different.
0: Now, be, coming from the engineer background, do you prefer to do everything analog as opposed to digital or a mix of both?
1: Uh, I don't, I, I am not a purist, analog purist at all. As a matter of fact, all the synths I use except for one more were, were digital sense. Like for example, I use a lot of the Arturia plugins for synthesizer. They're all the Moog uh, physical models of those old, you know, Moog synthesizers. Like I use in particular on, for this project, these use Moog Modular, the Mini Moog, and um, what's the other one? The uh, CS80, okay. uh, which is great. Um, like that for bells theme, that do 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 do. Do, 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 do. That that theme is all from the modular. I just programmed that patch and made it from scratch. fun on that one. Um, and then uh, you know some stuff from Yuhi, which is the Zebra, HZ, and Diva, and stuff like that. Um, Omnisphere is in there too. Uh, I do own a, a sub 37. Okay. he's a, a nice a nice analog mono you know, beast uh which uh you know but i don't want to use the old ones because you know the temperature can change and the you know suddenly everything's out of tune so i like i i it's like having an old you know volvo or something right an old beetle from the 60s and it's just is it going to start today i don't know um, (laughs) yeah not my thing
0: all right I, i i i'm curious about that um also, let's get into some fun questions. Uh, how many instruments are you fluent in?
1: Fluent? Probably none. <laughs> 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 I play a lot. Um, being fluent is sort of like, for me, like a master. Of them. I, I don't think I'm a master at any of them. Um, I, I play all kinds of stringed instruments uh, and I can, I can get a good performance out of myself on guitar and anything with strings. But you know, I play a little piano. I, you know, I'm certainly not a piano player. Um, I, I just, I know what I hear and I just go for that sound, you know? Um, I become a much better player when I'm writing for television, because I have to. <laughs> sort of like, you know, <laughs> I need to play a piano part. So I'm just, oh, here we go. I'm Oh well, I'm playing here. I'm pl- oh, I can't believe I'm playing this, but I'm playing it, and then you go in and tweak it, and it's great. Um, but yeah, that you know, trumpet a little bit, but I, I hire people to do all that stuff. <laughs> you are really masters of their instrument.
0: <laughs> and how does one exactly find the best players in the world? Because you've worked with some of them.
1: Oh yeah. Um, well, word of mouth um facebook is a great resource but you know even even that just i call my friends and say hey i need somebody who does this oh yeah you, well i know somebody who knows somebody you can call that person and you just network and find them but i mean i've got like a stable of, of people that i use all the time
0: it's you know? awesome I
1: mean, there's karen Hahn on air er, who there's karen stone on cello and there's you know uh, there's all kinds of people that you know George Deering on all kinds of stringed instruments. Talk about a master of anything string with a string on it. Uh, He's incredible. Um, Steve Tablioni. You know, I I have a a, a large, the Chris Bleth. just people who play all these, you know, he plays like duduk and all kinds of wind instruments really well, so I'll just use him for a lot of stuff. Um, Yeah, you just, I've I've been doing this for 25 years, so it's, so, uh, And I've been working with a lot of these people for almost that long. So,
0: so go. going on almost three decades, what is the most thrilling music moment, both as a fan and as a musician composer for you?
1: the most thrilling moment
0: Yeah, both as a fan and as uh, you know working in the industry. whether it be like as a fan you saw a concert or worked with somebody oh, okay. and you're just like fan something like that and then as a musician, you know gotcha. something like. yeah
1: okay Well um, I was always a huge fan of James Horner and I got to go to one of his sessions um, for uh, the movie Troy and I watched him free conduct no click. An 11-minute cue, and there was 108 musicians in the room. There was 20 choral singers, and there was five pianos in the back of the in, in the back of the hall. Five grand pianos, all with, with five different piano players, all hitting their fists on the lower octave of the, the piano, and it created the sound that I've never heard before. And I was sitting next to uh, Sandy De Crescent who, you know, allowed me to come to the session and you know, she's a contractor for all the musicians. And she was just sitting there, oh my God, I can't believe you came to this session. This is such a, she was just like, she was kind of dogging James Horner a little bit. Like it was like, oh, you know, he always just overdoes everything. But it was a really quite interesting sound. I mean, he just, he just could do whatever he wanted and he did something i would never seen before. And I was just really kind of thrilled with that um that's as a fan um one of my uh you said most thrilling uh, as a performer as a as a composer uh my first time conducting the houston symphony there was 86 players in the hall i went out to to rehearse 86 players and then there was 70 singers it was like 150 some almost 160 people that I was controlling as the conductor, and um, that was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life because I hadn't—I didn't have a huge amount of experience at that point—and I—I literally went backstage after rehearsal or during a break, and I called my wife from Houston. She was in LA. I called her and I said, "I am in way over my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die today." because they all know I can't do any of this. And somehow she goes, no, you're going to be great. I think I was crying. You know, she goes, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. And I just went out there and just said, okay, I'm just going to have all the confidence in the world. I went out there and I act like I knew what I was doing. And it all went great. And the show went great and it was fun. And that was a great experience. Great experience. Like, Like if you're ever too scared to do something, do it anyway. That was my that was my lesson. It's just wonderful. Just a wonderful feeling.
0: Do you ever get those feelings now, some years later when uh, you're no, not, getting up Not there? in
1: the same way because I was pretty new at conducting. Now I've conducted so much. I'm like tired of it, but um, <laughs> you know, like everybody wants to conduct. I'm like, I just want to listen. You know, I want to be in the booth listening to what I've done. So I stopped conducting about three years ago and I allow other people to do it. I mean, it, it is fun to do, um, to conduct, but I my thrill is like listening to something. Okay, I experiment on every project. Like I'm gonna try something I haven't done before and I do it and then I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to hear the musicians play it. Like I orchestrate something in a certain way that I wanna hear and I'm excited about that. Like on this project, it was, it was doing like, um, it was a, a track called new beginnings mm-hmm. which is the opening cinematic for the new very new the newest zombie mode yep and so i did this sort of bernard herman-esque film yes. noir kind of thing which I, I i have done before but i did it in a really sparse way with just a few woodwinds and it was it was really fun I Really enjoyed listening to that getting getting performed and bassoon
0: solo and you know that, that zombie mode is pretty it's amazing Yeah, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's pretty fun, good yeah. um and i like that you mentioned the james horner all the people pressing the piano that sounds something like tom waits or frank zappa would have would do oh
1: yeah so it was ex- you know experimenting like that it was just for gravitas it was just like it was it was rhythmic it was just boom mm-hmm.
0: boom <laughs> <laughs>
1: And it felt like God was coming to destroy, you know, everything, you know, it was just the, the, the great destroyer was coming.
0: That's great. Um, and what is the most curious slash strangest recording that you have in your collection, whether it be like a crazy record that you've had unreleased or maybe an outtake from a session you've done. Uh, what is the most curious strangest recording that you own?
1: don't oh, know that's a hard one for me uh you know the only thing that comes to mind right now like i don't have any like i'm not in into like super avant-garde weird stuff so I, i'm not gonna have pr- really anything in my collection like that and and the other the other side of that coin is i don't collect anything i'm i'm not a hoarder like i'm like Marie Kondo. I just want to get rid of everything that's. I'm going to declutter my world as, as much as I can. But I will tell you this one thing that I, um, that, that, I that was just one of those serendipitous things where uh, we were recording Snakeskin Boots a few years ago in the studio with a big band. Do you know, do you know that song? Snakeskin Boots? With that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, it was that and Cold Hard Cash. It was Cold Hard Cash. So it was was the ballad with uh, Antonia Bennett. Tony Bennett's daughter was singing. And I had everybody in the same room. It was pretty awesome. And we're going, we're doing a take. She's singing everybody's playing. And one of the trombones, one of the trombones fucked up. And (laughs) sometimes you can't, you you know, when they fuck up, you can't even hear that they fucked up because they're all so good. But he was like, you know, I'm just going to let everybody, what, what the musician will do at that point is they'll just blow really loud so you know, so they know, so that you know that they fucked up and they want to do it again. So you have <laughs> to stop. And the guy goes, he just, you know, I can't remember what part of the song is, but he goes da, da 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 He just does that. And I was like, save that. I want that. That was the coolest thing ever, save it. And we ended up using it at that moment where he supposedly fucked up. And we used it in the song. And it's the whistle is wet. And and it was like this little improv that's in that song. And you won't regret. You know, it just it was just such a cool, weird moment that I was like, we gotta use that <laughs>
0: <somehow> <laughs> in the song.
1: And it added so much to that piece, I thought.
0: Right. No, that's that wonderful. Yeah. that's cool that's cool i, I Actually, hope you, you still have that. To it. it's very cool yeah i hope you still have that original like raw footage of that that you could like maybe put as a ringtone <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah yeah well it's on the recording
0: so. yeah that's great um and so it being december 22nd and so close to the holidays um is there any sort of holiday christmas music that everybody should be listening to but might not have heard of
1: holiday, Christmas music. Everyone should be listening, but not Um God. Huh. I need my wife for this one. Um, if Alan Sherman has any Christmas music, <laughs> that needs to be listened to as soon as possible. It's just... He's such a funny guy. I don't know if he did any Christmas. He's, he, was, he was sort of like the 1950s version of Weird Al Yankovic, you know. who would take a song and butcher it. And right. Parodies of it. And he was just the funniest guy ever. He was like a comedian, you know, just like Weird Al. So he was like the original Weird Al. But I, I would definitely research him and see if he's done any, any, because I can't think of anything right now, but I'm sure that he's done holiday stuff.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Um, And my, my, my last question for you. Uh, So obviously you're such a huge purveyor of motion pictures, television, video games, and music. Are there any particular sequences or scenes in movies that have always stuck a chord for you music related that just inspire and you're like, you're going to work or you just wake up. You're like, Oh, this scene in this movie is just with the music. It's just, it, Speaks to me still.
1: You um, can edit out all the silence. It's going to sound like I'm really smart. I'll,
0: I'll put I'll put on the Jeopardy theme song <laughs> for that.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Yes, Jeopardy theme song. That's it. That's. Really <laughs> <to talk>. uh, <laughs> I, I don't even have to answer. You can just play that theme. <laughs> uh let's see i don't know I, I have a terrible memory for for sort of um trivia and things that like it's always on my mind like that um no I, I can't really honestly i can't really think of anything if i if i do think of anything i'll let you know but like that's not really how my mind works you know i've just given up on that like there's a lot of people who are like oh yeah this 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 and they're just like that I, I just can never think of that stuff So I'm just going to politely say I'm sorry.
0: All right. No worries. We'll, we'll be in touch if you think of anything. Um, But uh, yeah. So thank you for being on the show and the spotlight is on you now. Uh, Please tell everyone where to find you online, where to listen to your music, maybe in the vein of a Philip glass, Philip glass. (laughs) 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 That's just just kidding.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm, my, my website is jackwall.net um, and uh, I'm, I have, I don't know, a dozen or so albums on Spotify and Apple Music and, you know, uh, just look for Jack Wall and you should be able to find things. Excellent. Effect and All kinds of, you know, game scores and movie scores and and uh, Shadow Hunters. Uh, there's a, a TV show with a, you know, Soundtrack out with my music on it and um, enjoy, enjoy, and have a great holiday.
0: Yes, you can Merry, you Merry too. Christmas,
1: Happy Hanukkah, great, have a good Kwanzaa.
0: Yes, yes, very and much, much all indeed. All the
1: other things. And then, you know, a great, please, let's all have a better 2021 than our 2020 was.